Welcome back to Quaid in Full, the podcast with all the fox to give about actor Dennis Quaid. I'm your co-host, Sarah D. Bunting, and I'm here, as I always am, with rakish toupee Jeb Lunt. Hello again, Jeb. <laughs> Good afternoon. <laughs> so... <laughs> Before we get into Bill, a TV movie that won a whole bunch of awards, mostly for Mickey Rooney, and uh, co-starring Dennis Quaid as a backwards snap-cap-wearing documentary filmmaker and professor, hold for laughter, I believe we have our customary bit of pod business to attend to, which is whether or not either of us has attended to Dennis Quaid's podcast, The Denisance. Man, every week. Uh, so we had a recurring leak in our guest bath and uh, we tried to fix it. And so like I'd lined up the spare time to listen to the, the Denisance because I wanted to absorb it and I wanted to be able to take notes. And this, you know, repair that we had repaired a couple times finally failed. And instead of doing that that day, I had to pull like everything out of the guest bath pull everything in my son's room away from one wall because the guy had to drill through the wall to get at this valve in the guest bath from my son's room. So like I just spent the whole day like disinfecting everything and then a couple days after that shaking with terror. Well, that's a better <laughs> excuse than mine. My excuse for not listening to the Denisance is that I had actually most of the free time available to me. I don't take much time off, but I did take, as we're recording this, I was off last week. I elected to read a 900-page biography of Andy Warhol. Nice. I'm a pretty fast reader. I thought that would only take me a few days, and I would have plenty of time to sample the Denisance. But I didn't, as it turns out. Also, a couple of naps broke out. That's, that's what happens. When you're on vacation and you're a little old, like me. Drella, kind of like uh, topically, wouldn't really go well with the Denisance. I mean, there's a certain kind of like aloofness there that is not consonant with the Quaid aloofness. I mean, I don't know. You get in that, that headspace of like listening to a lot of Velvet Underground records. I'm not sure you can just segue into like the kind of country western rock flavored Quaid experience. Yeah, like not pro-Trump, but not anti-Trump either. So, like, the, the drummer from the Velvet Underground. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, here, here's the thing, though. I would be interested to see, like, a crossover event involving the film Empire, but instead of... Or sleep, actually. Let's just do several hours of Dennis Quaid sleeping. <laughs> as long as he has that kind of, like, Gordo Cooper asleep in the cockpit smile. Yes. Uh, that'd be fine. It just like, he looks so, he looks so peaceful. Look at him. Oh, he's such an angel. Like that, if you could get all the innocence back into Quaid just by having him not be awake. Yeah. Or he's wearing only that black, like dollar store necktie from uh, The Night the Lights <laughs> Went Out of Georgia. I, I will also accept that. Um, in zero gravity, but with yeah. that. Does he have a little white collar or is it just the tie? <laughs> <laughs> oh, like a like a dog costume? <laughs> no, I mean like a Chippendale costume. Is this like a tearaway oh, yeah. spacesuit? Is it like... And he also has cuffs. Sure. <laughs> right. 
however you see it is how we can achieve it. Um, Jeb, we are we are so close to like actually good movies that people have heard of. We're so close. We're so close. I thought this was a good movie. Like for I a TV actually movie, thought I- this was a good movie too. I'm I'm relieved that you said that. I I suspect that. I expected so little and was already at, like I like did limbering moves prior to watching so that I would not pull a muscle cringing. And then when that did not occur, I was like, this isn't terrible. Yeah, my wife and I sat down to watch it and I asked if she wanted to watch it. One, just because like I have to watch so many things that she doesn't want to go anywhere near like Hallmark <laughs> movies. So like it, this seemed like it was borderline, but also would be sweet. And then I figured, well, if anything else, like if nothing else, we can just riff together off of it. And apart from her exasperatedly shouting one thing at the screen, maybe two, I have to check my notes. You know, we took the ride like we were we sat down and I think we were both like you just prepared to, you know, mute the TV and, and plug our, or and like not look at it or something or stick our fingers in our ears. And instead, um, we kind of hovered the entire time on like, are we, are we going to start crying here? But this is a place that we would cry if we were going to do it. Definitely. <laughs> it, yeah. I really, well, all right, let me get into the plot summary before we get any further. Um, Bill is a, a TV movie from 1980. One or two, I think we're in that cluster of Dennis Quaid projects right now. We're like, he seriously had 17 things come out in 14 months. Here's the plot summary from a J. Welch 5742 of IMDb. The more numbers there are, as you know, the more reliable the summary. Here we go. Quote, this movie is based on the true story of Bill Sachter, a developmentally disabled adult who has been confined to an institution for most of his existence. The good-natured Bill finally gets to enjoy a measure of freedom after Barry Morrow, a documentary director, invites him to stay with his family. While the Morrows have plenty to teach their mentally challenged friend about life, Bill also has his own brand of wisdom to impart, end quote. Hey, spoiler, <laughs> I've, I've never seen a t- TV movie before. I certainly couldn't have predicted that that um, would happen. Uh I think that that's fairly accurate. I didn't know until halfway through the movie that, I mean, I sort of had a sense that this was a true story, but I didn't know the real Barry Morrow won an Oscar for Rain Man. Did you know that? No. So here's the sort of like goocher aspect of that. Partway through in my notes, when Bill partway through the movie is like really sick he has like an abscess on his leg and he's been doing sort of okay living mostly out on his own but they think they're gonna have to amputate his leg which means that he definitely wouldn't be able to live mainstreamed in the world and would have to go back to this institution which he is very flinchy about for good reason so they're trying to find his sister who's named sarah and I had in my notes like, oh, shit, is this going to be a Rain Man thing where we find out that he was given over to the institution at the age of seven because of some accident where he and his sister were, he was like left in charge of his sister and something bad happened to her, like in Rain Man where he accidentally burned the, the other kid. Not knowing that there was a Rain Man connection at all, I was like, I like this is not a revelation I want or that I'm sure this film can handle, but that was the that was the connection for me anyway. 
we were not able to find contemporary reviews of this um, for a TV movie that's not all that surprising. Also, it, the name of it is Bill. Like, it's <laughs> it's just hard. Like, I'm a I'm a pretty good Boolean search string, er, but d- no luck. I can tell you that it won a Golden Globe and an Emmy for Mickey Rooney. The IMDb see- seems to think that this is going to be his signature role. <laughs> now, like, uh, mm, no. It also won an Emmy. <gasps> what was that? Where to begin with the rest of his 300 credits? Yeah. I'd, yeah, there were a couple of other. Anyway, it also won an Emmy for Outstanding Writing, which I was like, I knew this going in, and I was like, look, the Emmys can be so dumb. I, I just, I'm yeah. not, I'm not uh, optimistic at all. We couldn't find any contemporary reviews so let's just get into our review i was shocked to find this quite watchable that my you know i was really prepared to cringe but it was very watchable i wasn't checking the time code as often as i usually do when you watch shit for a living you do that a lot but it definitely had my sustained attention and I have seen some offensive performances in this subgenre before. Yeah. Just like normal people is like fucking legend in my family of origin for how disastrously cringy it is. I know Sean Cassidy was trying. I thought this performance was very winning from Mickey Rooney. I don't know what it was up against in the Emmy department, but I am not angry that this was given awards. How'd you feel? I think principally was up against all the awards he didn't get in the preceding 50 years. Probably. Well, it just feels like a, fair. like it's good to see you again and we didn't get to you earlier. So here yeah, you are. I mean, the, I, th- I thought it was past very masters, good. Sure. Fair enough. Yeah. My cringe going in, cause I didn't make the Rain Man connection. And the thing was too, like I was really determined to look up Barry Morrow. And I think that's like the one thing I didn't do. Um, <laughs> like my cringe was just that, you know, we were going to hear, like, I didn't go in thinking like, I'm going to be angry at this because they didn't have a developmentally disabled person play Bill, like somebody with Bill's condition play Bill. Like, I know I don't expect that from that era of Hollywood. Yeah, no, I don't Um, either. So I went in like, I'm not going to be mad about that. Let me see. Let me judge this on the terms of a 1981 TV movie. That is the depth of morality compassion and and writing and wrestling with these ideas that i'm willing to give it and at no point did it make me angry or disappointed like there was no retrograde thing in in here and in fact like i think apart from casting mickey rooney you could just redo this movie today almost with like the same dialogue and people would think it was a very good movie i think that's true were you also expecting more awkward exposition about the deinstitutionalization of the late 70s and early 80s of different kinds of intellectual challenges like i was absolutely expecting some you know physician's desk manual speechifying about some shit then when that did not occur i was uh relieved actually the first thing i thought was that we would get kind of like the that we would get like the diagnostic manual out and we would learn yeah. everything about bill's particular disability and i i like the fact that it was more ambiguous so it could be representative of any developmentally disabled person you knew like within certain reason obviously but um 
And then, yeah, I was expecting, because I'm, I'm looking at the time and I'm like, okay, well, this is right around the time that like Reagan nukes public health at the federal level in the United yeah. States. And <laughs> yeah. so I was expecting like a real after school special, like, and these are the things that are going to be denied unless Tip O'Neill and the Democrats in, in your, oh my God. and that didn't come. Tip O'Neill, <laughs> a very fat goose with a red nose just walked over my grave. Right. Yeah, followed closely by a very young and and more agile and presumably stronger Chris Matthews. Oh, boy. <laughs> How'd we get here? Let's go back. <laughs> so the other thing I was expecting was that we were going to get a lot more cloying stuff out of Mickey Rooney. Like, let's see him. Let's see how flashy he can be being disabled. Yeah. Which is a really bad habit in these. And instead, like, he seemed to be playing it pretty close to the vest it wasn't like an ostentatiously is an ostentatious disability but yeah like i don't know maybe it's just the residual of, of having seen breakfast at tiffany so many times but that when you're like hmm you know mickey rooney is playing somebody who is i think that this is someone whose career spanned so many um iterations of what good acting looked like that to get yeah. something in this role that is so unstagey from him was an extremely pleasant surprise that could have been the genesis of the award. But the other thing is, uh, I'm going to play a clip and um, it becomes clear at the end that um, you see some footage of the real Bill Sactor and Barry Morrow does a little VO that's like, here's, you know, the real Bill and he's getting an award. And it, you know, he had this footage and I'm sure Rooney had access to it and to the real person if he chose to avail himself. Mm -hmm. So there is a sense of having studied the actual person and like internalized some things. But in the scene that we're about to hear, I like that the writing incorporates what must have been the real Bill's phraseology and uh, um, Argo. Mm -hmm. And during this scene, he's like cleaning a kitchen and he has... Um, some business that he's doing with a wet rag, which I found distracting because he wasn't wringing it out enough. Right. <laughs> but I, I, I was paying attention to him cl cleaning the table too. It's okay. Yeah. I that I was like, so much fucking water's getting on the floor, bro. But then again, like, that, that's it's a probably his next You hose job. it down. There are yeah. drains in the floor. You get the hose out. Yeah. I, I mean, uh. it's, it's fine. But I was just looking at it like, but no, you have to fold it. <laughs> Maybe I need to go back to the institution anyway. <clears throat> all of this is going on and it feels very natural. And the fact that he's not doing it, according to my mother, the double Scorpio's extremely strict rules of kitchen cleaning, it makes it more real. So here is clip two. Then they'll put on your record that you're a low-grade man. And then they might put you back in that place. What place? I don't want to talk about it now. Talk about what place? Granville. Granville? That's the state mental institution, isn't it? Yes, but I'm out now. Old Bill's out now. I'm doing fine. And I got me some real hair, like a real good man. Just the continuing preoccupation of like, that he must have heard them putting things like this in his file, that he's a low-grade man, that he, or, you know, the distinction between that and a a good man or a, a real big man, that, that just keeps coming up. And I thought that was 
good. I, I mean, like surprisingly real and like felt. I thought it was good. I mean, it's also a very childlike conception of how things are, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. you know, once you, once you have like a four-year-old look up at you and it, from doing something that's not not occupation related and they're like, did I do a good job? And you're like, no, no, you can't stop. No, I thank you for listening to me and understanding me when I use that idiom, but like not everything is like valuable according to how much work goes into it. Uh, <laughs> but like, you know, they, they just get that. And so like, I don't know, maybe, you know, maybe it was like a like a, a health worker who divided people into like good people and bad like good citizens, and bad citizens and bad ones were low grade men. Yeah. So like it, that felt, yeah, like you said, authentic, but just ringing in a different way for me. Yeah. Or that the social worker must have said that after the like 14th time that she picked him up because he is very childlike and was like, yeah, I'll, I'll go have a beer with you to some jerk on the street and then <laughs> is relieved of all his currency and arrested and anyway the childlike aspect of it there's um another clip that <laughs> i've started saying variations on this dialogue now to the dog <laughs> when we're out for a walk you'll you'll see why in clip three they're about to go to i think dennis quaid's in-laws no that those oh, are no, his, it's parents. his parents he comes from wealth yeah like that's the the whole point because the when the social worker hits him with that it's like were well, you can bring him home yeah. to your station this i mean i really was sort of like cringing in anticipation of how this was going to go also but you're in this nice like suburban i guess outside of minneapolis they're supposed to be mm -hmm. um and they have to have a little chat about bill maybe not wearing the toupee i want to talk to you before we go in i, I think you should leave your wig in the car I do that. If you wear good hair, then you're a good man. What makes you think that? Well, you have hair, ain't you? <laughs> yeah, but I'm young. Well, I'm a spring chicken. Come on, the wig looks fine. It looks Let's go. good. Yeah. Look at that tree. Yeah. That's another tree. That's a tree, too. Yep. They're all trees. <laughs> yep. I've just been saying this to the dog. Like, they're all trees. Yep. <laughs> there was just something so sweet and charming about that. He's like, oh my gosh, look at that tree. Like, he's probably not used to seeing these big old growth oaks living in the city yeah. or certainly in the in a hospital, in a state hospital. So, yeah, this, I, I didn't want to like anything about this and it won me over. I don't know how, but good for mm -hmm. you, Mr. Rooney. There are some conspicuous plot holes i would say or at least <laughs> engineering holes the uh our, the lovely bride beverly has maybe only three speeches in the movie and they don't seem to be made by the same person <laughs> they don't seem to have any recall of what was said before yeah that's true so this is actually another shortcoming i wanted to talk about but uh it's when barry is still in his sort of like callow youth filmmaker phase uh -huh. and he isn't really like taking bill seriously as a person he's more like a you know a funny object to him right uh beverly says you have seven you know, like and I, I can't remember what the exact phrasing is on it but it's something like you've had seven jobs failed screenwriter failed novelist failed musician failed founder of theranos in between failed <laughs> director and the guy who invented the arts deluxe right like it's just this like litany of like okay i'm engaged to you and fuck you or like i'm married to you i can't remember if they're married at no this point. i think like, they're married at that point 
Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like you, you fuck up idiot. <laughs> like, and then it's only a matter of minutes later when he suggests maybe bringing Bill to live with them. And she says, things are just getting good for us and they're looking even better. Why do you want to mess it up? And you're like, wait a minute. You just said this guy's a complete fuck up. And now you say everything's good. What? Who are you? Well, and then now he has an $18,000 a year job in academia. T. Oh my God. Right. I actually pulled uh, that exact clip, which I was going to run during the uh, Quaid assessment section. But uh, let's uh. hear it now. Here's clip five. She's just been like, we, you know, everything just settled down. Why well, you got to fuck everything up? Here is his uh, big speech. Here's his Emmy reel. <sighs> I aimed my camera at this funny looking old man. And I discovered something. Something sweet and gentle in a, in a person. He's the one that should be cold and uncaring. And I just want to give him a chance, Bev. I think he's capable of making it in society, of, of, of being accepted and making it on his own. But he just needs somebody to just reach out and help him. Just, and that's all I want to do. I just want to just help him out. Bev. I know we moved on and things are going good and I understand all that it's just I don't want to leave something behind I don't want to lose the ability to care to be concerned about another human being I have a couple notes on that speech if I may same but please uh, one is that it should have ended after I don't want to leave anything behind. Yep. Because I thought that was a good line, but it didn't in case someone just flipped the channel over from whatever else was on. And I am surprised that Dennis Quaid, who I think is miscast here, but really makes the best of things. Mm -hmm. I was surprised that he sold that kind of baby voice, garbage time, let's not lose our humanity speech. But he almost does, in my opinion. What did you think? Cutting it off there would be good. I also think I would want another take because that first delivery of Bev sounds almost exactly like John McClane saying like, I'm not the one who just got butt fucked on national TV, Dwayne. Like, it's, it's just like, <laughs> yeah. it's yeah. fucking hostile. Like, I, you know, um, yeah. But the writing of it, like, definitely got to me. Like, I don't want to leave anything behind. Well, your parents, apparently, like your students and maybe all the friends that you have in the area who aren't Bill, but you don't want to leave Bill behind. Okay. Um, and then I can't really, I mean, look, this is how they wrote it. I got to negotiate with it on its terms. But <laughs> Like if you're, if you're talking to your wife about a life decision and you say like, well, if I don't make this, I can't imagine caring for another human being again. You need to make sure that you add present company excluded. Well, <laughs> like, when when y'all just had a kid, like the yeah. the baby has been born. He's like in the room in a bassinet. Like I can't lose this chance to care about another person. Wife, <laughs> right. what? I yeah, that's a good note. One of one of many reasons that should have just been cut off, but you know, when, I, when you have to make an hour and 31 runtime, I guess this is what happens. 
I'm curious how much that speech was true to life because you do have the example of like having a kid there and you could, that would be the first thing that you would want to appeal to is like, you know, the insane, you know, just insane level of protectiveness you feel for this small thing that just takes food and makes it into poop. I feel that way for another human being already, right? Like yeah. there is already this important relationship with Bill who is, you know, more articulate than a baby and whose feelings are way more easy to detect on the surface and to hurt and to be told that you've hurt them. Like, think about that. But no, it, instead it's like, like, like you said, <laughs> I want to feel good again. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I think I've forgotten how to love comma person I'm married to. <laughs> I think it's entirely possible that you're right, that this was true to life. And it's one of those, like, this is the first baby that should have been killed dialogue wise, probably. If Mara was like, no, 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 that's exactly how it happened. Like, well, <laughs> no one tunes in to see life. We're trying to get away from yeah. life. Um, you, you cast Mickey Rooney. You can rewrite that bit. <laughs> yeah, seriously. But uh, there were a lot fewer moments like that where it's like, eh, than I thought there would be. So uh, yeah. before we get back to Quaid's performance in this moment and others, which not for nothing, but in this one, he was like, I'm not crazy about that baby voice. Leave that for Jason Priestley. This is weird. But we'll get back to his performance in a moment. Overall, how would you rate this one? Man, you know, like compare weighted against other movies, I don't know as if I could go that high. But if you're telling me like we're rating TV movies here, I'd say like a six or a seven. Yeah. It's well above average. I mean, and like like we were saying earlier, it, you know, you could pretty much update the text as is and it would be a perfectly cromulent TV movie today. I mean, part of this is that I was expecting such a horrifying, like scarringly bad disaster that it's like automatic eight, but I I'm going to say a six. Actually, I never quite got to all of my, my little takeaways on like knocking the rating down. I can make them really quickly, but I did want to kind of underline one, a couple things. Which oh no, was please. The third quote from wife Beverly after she's gone, you're a failure. I want things to be better. Also, she has quarreled with him over wanting new, nice things for the baby. And uh, anyway, it finally comes, gets resolved where he's explaining why he's done all these things for Bill. And she just says, you don't have to say another word. There was nothing more you could do. That's why I married Barry Morrow. But if that's why you married him, why were you upset about him <laughs> on the same terms? Yeah. And, and like, it's just that weird, like flip flop of like, I need things. I'm in danger. I'm poor. I'm fine. And like, I think it's growing up watching TV movies where people behave like this, that made the lifetime cinematic universe very plausible of like, it's just people stuck in their houses going absolutely out of their minds. Oh, and, or, and I was going to say this when you first brought this up about her weird sort of like reactive only role in which those reactions often don't make sense either in the moment or they're not like concomitant with each other that she has this like um i would say it's the uh beleaguered cop wife trope but the beleaguered right artist wife trope that it's like look you knew what this was there's a lot of runway unless you met and got married on some weekend in vegas Divorce it or shut the fuck up. I just right. I can't with that. 
on TV, like arms folded cop wives. Like, I think that is really probably a shitty, scary gig, but it's the worst kept secret in history. Don't waste time on this in this plot. Either she's on board or she's not. But that's the other weird thing about her that she'll be like, you have your head in the clouds. You are not qualified to take care of this person. You have other commitments. And he gives it a big heartstring puller speech. And she's like, well, go get our boy. Like, so if you were going to update it, I think that would be something that you would really want to work on because like, it's the only really significant woman character outside of the social worker and like this shrew at the end. Yeah. And she has like no depth. And like you say, you know, the, the cop wife fallacy sort of, or cop wife gimmick. But the other one, like I, I mentioned is the, uh, the shrewish woman who doesn't want bill at this you know, like sweeping up and taking care of things at a facility where children are near. And she's going to drum him out of this public services department at the University of Iowa. Um, and at their she's school of over. social work. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's Bev. a true story. So I don't know. I mean, Bev, um, I'm not the one who just went to a school for social work, Bev. You know, the the other thing that would make this not updatable is that the linchpin of the final act is somebody being persuaded to change their mind over an irrational fear that they have. Like, I'm prejudiced against people who look and behave like this. And somebody was like, well, but why don't you think of them as people? And and this woman is like, oh, I never thought of that. Okay. And like, and I get that it kind of mirrors, you know, um, it kind of mirrors Barry's story, which is, you know, I, I think a little incomplete at the, at the front where he goes from like callow person, callow youth, looking for his own advancement, fascinated by this object to like actually, you know, empathetic, caring, giving person. That is and one so, good line that Bev has, though, that he's like, he won't talk about the state mental hospital where he spent most of his life. I've really got to press him on that. And I'm going right. to drive him over there and try to like trigger him. And Bev's like, asshole says what his response is like doesn't really underline enough like how much he hasn't gotten it yet because it's a good response for that but she says if he doesn't like talking about it then why are you taking him out there it's part of the film and at that moment my wife like i said we didn't really talk back at the screen there's only two times that she yelled at the screen this was the first one in the voice of bev i've been miscarrying all day but other than that i'm all right (laughs) Like, because she's there and pregnant and like you know obviously not having a good time but it's like just the complete disregard like oh it's it's happening to you well it's for the film yeah i guess someone missed geraldo's willowbrook report because guys no i agree that that's not as his journey is not as well developed like i do feel like there's um like he's this callow person and then there's like this um slapstickness where he's you know at his univec computing job okay and is taking all these phone calls from bill and then his wife's in labor and there's stuff and then he's a responsible adult with a shawl collar sweater to prove it like (laughs) movie you need to slow this shit down like this all literally this development all literally occurs while the baby is being born and then by the time they bring young clayton home barry morrow is a productive citizen of his marriage and society all right yeah walking around with his hands in the pockets of the sweater and then like just pulling out a pipe <laughs> and a bag of tobacco and there's good interesting continue <laughs> and no pants 
what movie am I thinking of that Sutherland does that? Uh, Animal House. Oh, yeah? Okay. Yeah. God, it keeps, keeps coming up. But enough about Donald Sutherland's butt. Um, unless you had more on the um, butt aspects of the film overall, let's get into the quaidosity, shall we? Sure. All right. Quaid qua quaid. How good is Dennis Quaid in this movie and how quaidy is he in this movie? Um, per the previous clip, not to repeat myself, but I don't think he's cast quite right. I'm not sure who I would suggest instead. Maybe a Bo Bridges, but this, like, it's not quite right for me. He's a little too, like, he's, he's just too quaidy, actually, for this role. Yeah, it's interesting that he's just himself enough to kind of like price himself out of being able to disappear into the role, but he is so little himself that yeah. he himself is kind of unrecognizable. I mean, this is the gentlest I've seen him and the smirkless est. He's a little smirky, but it, yeah, like he's, you know, shawl collar, sweater, young dad, Quaid is not. The first card you'd try to pull out of that pack, but okay. Um, here he is doing like a bit about getting rejected for yet another grant, which is, again, this is like early in his um, character's arc, but this is also like this kind of self-snarking is relatively atypical for Quaid, I would say. So here's clip four. You got the grant. No, I didn't get the grant. When did you find out? Oh, I should have told you, but I'm tired of giving you bad news. So, here's the good news. Ford Foundation turned down my film proposal, but they said I can upholster cars anytime I want. Happy days. Where's the glasses? Right here, honey. So, here's the little what's-his-name. <laughs> what's her name? What's its name? Okay. Well, you're drinking champers when you're pregnant, so call it bubbles and call it a day. <laughs> I mean, this is like, this is a charming enough recognizable character, but it's not particularly on brand. And I'm really mm -hmm. struggling with how to rate this because this is a, this is one of the better things that we've watched. He's good in it, but he's cast incorrectly and he's not very quady so it's like right. this weird inverted curve and i don't know what to do with it so i'm gonna put it to you like i always do i think it's like a six out of ten acting but like a two out of ten quade yeah. maybe like a one out of ten quade it's just enough to be recognizable and just enough to take away from what is an above average performance with pretty difficult material i mean like and he's in every like, they should have called the movie Barry, because he is in every right. scene, pretty much. So he's got to carry the movie. He's got to wear a lot of emotions on on his sleeve. You've got, you know, like, ironic resentment. You've got acquisitive and, and essentially uncompassionate exploitation a little bit. And then you've got, like, growing into being a parent and growing into being a friend. It's a lot of work. And he really only has like, I mean, no, I've said a lot of things that he has to do, but it's really only two tones. And it does remind me a lot of, of like the, the sorts of TV movies I wind up watching a lot for my other podcasts, like where you've just got like somebody who makes one change, but they've got to like stretch it out and maybe do it over and repeat it in case you didn't notice it earlier. And like do it from the side, <laughs> do it in the yeah. two shot. I mean, look, it, acting is hard. <laughs> 
but he's got to, you know, he's got to keep underlining the same transformations and he does it. He does it better than like, if you were to take a replacement level actor, like you would get less out of it. Like he's improving it, but the way that he really can improve things, he can't do with this kind of plot. So like credit to him for disappearing as much as he did. I mean, this shows like real acting work rate might also be just because he hasn't really figured out like, this is the way I can coast. Right. But yeah. Yeah. So I think he, given that he shouldn't be here and isn't really himself, he does a great job with some writing that like, the other thing is you don't usually look to Quaid to bail out writing, especially of this moist trending sort. So I would give the performance like overall for him a seven, but it's like deeply unquady and like at a three level. So I'm going to split the difference right at a five. Well, I guess so what, like six and one. Um, so what three point, that doesn't feel right. I mean, it has to be higher than, than that. I mean, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to, I'm just going to go with the five. Yeah. Like I, you know, yeah. I mean, it's definitely that like, statistician joke like if you have one foot in a campfire and the other in a block of ice and then like average it together and you're quite comfortable but look (laughs) (laughs) we aren't statisticians (laughs) so let's just say five and move on okay next time on quaid in full we'll be talking about johnny belinda enjoy that enjoy that rendering of the title it's the last time either of us is going to get it right In the meantime, screw your wigs on tight and check out the show notes and follow the podcast on Twitter at Quaid in Full Pod. Quaid in Full is hosted by Sarah D. Bunting and Jeb Lund, and it is edited by Jeb Lund. Don't subscribe yet? Put four scoops in the filter and go sign up wherever you get your podcasts. And rate and review Quaid in Full so other people can find it. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Oh, you're a real adult, aren't you?